I'm worth of something, even though I do have MS, because uh, I'm not MS. It's just like a character, a characteristic of mine, you know? And I think that it's, it actually makes me more human. This is Let's Talk MS, the podcast of youth living with MS. Let's Talk MS! Welcome to Let's Talk MS, a podcast series created by young minds for young minds and proudly brought to you by the European Multiple Sclerosis Platform. I'm Samina Peterfi and I'm thrilled to be your host for today. In this podcast series, we're about to unpack the intricacies of living life as a young adult while navigating the challenges that come with multiple sclerosis, MS. From dating to nutrition or dealing with MS stigma, we're here to navigate it all through expert insights and personal stories. Today, we're continuing our exploration with a much-needed conversation on MS, communications, and relationships, building on our previous discussion about the impact of MS on sexuality. Let, let me introduce you to our guests. First, we have Moira Chichika, president of the Hellenic Federation of Persons with Multiple Sclerosis, a psychologist, a researcher on topics of sexuality, and MS, a mother, as well as a great friend of EMSP. Would you like to say hello? Hello to everybody. I'm very happy to be uh, in this podcast again. <laughs> and I'm very happy about uh, discussing around uh, communication and relationships when having a mess. Great. Um, alongside Moira, we have Nadia Stonevich. She's a young person living with a mess from Serbia. Hi, everyone. Very excited to be in this episode. Uh, uh, I think communicating... And over-communicating our needs is important, so very happy to be here. Excited to over-communicate with you. And then we have Vivi Vesela. She's a young person living with uh, multiple sclerosis from Helsinki. Well, from Finland, sorry. <laughs> yes. Um, hello, everyone. And I'm from Rovaniemi, you know, the city of Senta. And I'm really happy to be here. Thank you, Nina, for having me. Uh, both Nadia and Vivi are members of the Young People's Network. That is a project from the European Multiple Sclerosis Platform dedicated to young people living with MS. To set the stage, I'll turn to our expert speaker, Moira. Um, can you please provide us with an overview of the importance of communication and intimacy in relationships for those living with MS? Yeah, I'll try to. Uh, as far as uh, as we know, communication is the first thing we're dealing when having a, a relationship. Even before we get MS, uh, uh, from the very beginning of our lives, we're building uh, relationships. The first re relationship is with our parents, our mother. Afterwards, when we are teenagers, uh, we try to find different relationships, not only with friends, but with partners. And... Uh, most of the time, people uh, with MS are uh, struggling with navigating uh, communication with their partners about uh, their diagnosis and the related changes MS is bringing to their lives. So it's a very difficult uh, question when someone wants to have a relationship or, or he is having already a relationship and MS is coming to their lives. Okay, uh, so communication is the first thing that we're discussing when we, when we, were, when we are working 
uh, with a lot of people having a mess and not only. So my question is, and this is a big question in the MS world, do we disclose or do we not disclose that we have MS? Especially now we're thinking, we're talking with young people and sometimes we have relationships and sometimes we have situationships. Um, and I'm asking, do we need to tell everyone that we have MS or should we keep it to ourselves sometimes? So in my opinion, um, because you, it is visible in my case that I do have MS. So I, I think that it gives me a lot more space to breathe. So I do tell about my MS pretty early, but it is kind of like a big question, like when do I need to, you know, just mention about it in um, just a random, like just to pop up, like, okay, by the way, I do have MS or what's the case? Yeah, like, like do you sit them down? Do you explain then what MS is? Do you just... Yeah. <laughs> but it, mention is, it, it is like... But then could I ask you, when did you, do you share on the first date, on a third date, after you're intimate? When do you share exactly? When is the right moment to share? And Nadia, I think you wanted like, to add something. Oh, n not about that question, <laughs> but I can try and answer that too. Um, with, with my current partner, it just happened naturally before we even started anything. But I think it also depends on what kind of relationship do you want with that people person is it just a sexual relationship then i wouldn't tell anything because then i don't want nothing intimate with that person so they don't need to know everything about my life but if if it's a more serious thing that you want with someone then yes i think being upfront from the day one is important because that is a part of you as are other things that define you but it it, it does define you in a certain way yes uh, I would like to put ourselves in the other position of the other person and try to imagine that you are dating for the first time a person uh, that you think uh, he he or she is the best huh he's the god others a great goddess a good god okay I think wow when do you want to know about his or her MS? Do you want on the first day to, to take a, um, um, a CV uh, <laughs> about his or her uh, medical conditions? Not only MS, everything. Do you want someone to say, ah, you, uh, look, before we meet, I have a diabetes, I have MS, I have a high blood pressure, uh, um, I cannot have an erection or I cannot have, uh, I have vaginismus, I have uh, dyspareunia, and I, I don't know. And you say, okay, 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 I'm leaving now. <laughs> no, I don't think that uh, we should uh, tell about uh, MS in the first day, from the beginning. That's clear. We must who is the other person? What are our uh, intentions about this relationship? As you said earlier, Nadia, uh, do I need someone to know about that? Do I feel comfortable to discuss this? Do I need to know about all these things from the other person? Think about it. And uh, the best way to, to share this, thing, uh, this uh, information is when you feel comfortable with the other and the other feels comfortable with you. Not on the first date, on the first uh, minute, <laughs> you see, hello, I'm Moira, I have a mess, go to, to your home now. 
It's like joining oh. a support group. Hello, I'm Semina and I live with a mess. Uh, Vivi, you wanted to share something? Yeah, um, in my case, uh, because I live in a really small town, like in a small city, um, and I am open on my Instagram. So basically, if someone goes to my Instagram page, they immediately know that I do have MS. But if you see me walking on the streets, you would never know. You know, but I've had MS for so long. So as I said, like previously in the conference too, um, in May, was it? Um, it's the same thing like I do. <laughs> Like in the job interview, I go to job interview and go like, okay, I do have MS. Do you want to contribute, continue the interview? So that um, I do show my cards and I show my weakness. Um, not not maybe on the first date. I just uh, I just ended up a long relationship. So it is kind of like now my time to think when it's the right time to tell like. I haven't been dating because it's only been two months or so, but yeah, it is something that I want to, you know, embrace because you can, you cannot see it from me. Like if you, if I'm, if I'm acting normal, if I'm going just to grocery store or something, nobody knows that I do have MS, but it is actually a huge thing. And um, if you take a closer look for me, you can see that, okay my right side is weaker or my hand is shaking or something. So I want to give an explanation for that. I also like, think it's about um, really seeing whether or not you want that person to receive that explanation. And like what Maura was saying, sometimes you go on dates with people that you don't know yet. So you first want to see what the vibe is like. What are they like? You wouldn't want to share with somebody that's a hypochondriac, for example, because you know that they're going to get scared. So first... I would like someone to get to know me, really like me for myself. And then while I've been, I built that trust and I would share it with them and I will ensure that I share it also in the right way. Cause it's about knowing how the other person is going to receive the message. So if you're dating a hypochondriac, it's about explaining what that is. And sometimes you find out that if you share, they will be like, oh yeah, yeah well, my mom lives with a mess. Like uh, you never know how people will receive it. But I think it's about knowing when, and if you want to share first. Um, and then knowing a little bit more about the person. So maybe it's not about sharing on the first day, like Maura was saying, or on a motivation letter when you're applying for a job, uh, but getting to know the vibe a little. Um, I think our expert had an insight into this topic as well. Uh, I must say that uh, it's uh, different when someone has a visible disability due to MS and someone does not. Because uh, if someone sees a person uh, with a mobility aid, uh, a wheelchair, a cane, or something else, then he or she knows where he or she is getting into. He does not, or she does not expect to hear something, oh, no, there is no problem. I know there is a problem because I see there is a problem. But uh, in uh, the invisible symptoms of MS, it's much more difficult. Because uh, I see something, I like something that I see, I feel sexualized about that, I go wo uh, talk with him or her, having a date, and afterwards I say, yeah, um, yes, you know, uh, I have to say something to you, I have a mess. I say, oh, what is a mess? We must prepare for all these kind of uh, reactions because someone uh, would say, yeah, as I said, uh, as you said, Simena, my mom has a mess. Oh, I know about that. Or I have a cousin, a nephew, uh, I don't know who else, uh, a friend. 
a Twitter that has a mess. And someone says, oh, I don't know what a mess is. Is something that you die from? I have heard things like that. Yeah, I had, like, with my current partner that's much younger than me, he doesn't know much about it. So I'm just teaching him what Emma says. And so for him, it's more lighter. It, he doesn't perceive it as we do because we are in the situation that we are. He perceives it as something that I'm working on. If I take my, <clears throat> if I take my meds, then it's all fine. And, like, he doesn't perceive it as a huge thing and so we have to as we have to know to analyze the person and to see how will they respond to to ms and what's their reaction maybe their reaction is that's fine i don't care <laughs> i like you enough that i don't care and so yeah maybe the first date isn't the best thing. there's um there's one more side to disclosure. Um, let's say we then say, yeah, I have MS. You're comfortable with that. The person is comfortable. But then there's something that scares me is when um, something that scares me is when people then choose to go on the internet and research what MS is. Usually when you research what MS is, it's a person in a wheelchair. I'm imagining that our partners are a little bit scared. How do we tackle that? How do we Tell them exactly what websites to go to and not to look up Google, even though they will. Or do we have that awkward conversation with them? Yeah, um, I think that um, like um, if someone goes and Googles MS, then I just um, I just say that please don't. <laughs> like, if, but if they anyway do, I just kindly ask them to go to you know the official websites like for example in my case the Finnish Senior Society that explains it and there are plenty of like MS communities websites where you can uh, search information that is not that scary so you know just don't google it because it always looks and if they are like okay so are you about to is, is it are you forced to be in a wheelchair if I need to you if that's like the point where I need to use the wheelchair if it helps my the quality of my life then like why not and i think a partner will want our life to be better and hopefully they'll be accepting of that and if they're not then they're not our person um i would like to introduce another topic related to communication and uh, something that i hear young people struggle with is how do we communicate about what we want as young people with ms to healthcare practitioners especially when it comes to topics such as sex and intimacy would somebody like it's to take difficult. this? <laughs> I think it's very difficult to talk to our doctors and nurses about um, our needs because some there's if uh, I mean I, I have to now mention the medical system in Serbia which is falling apart, but you don't have the right care even on the basic levels. And here you can even not ask for that extra level of care where they take in consideration your sex life, your private life. They don't, they just don't have the time. And so you have to find the people that will take in consideration your emotion and everything, as I found my psychologist. But you have to find them that you don't, it's hard to communicate it because they just don't have the time or. There's not enough doctors. 
or sometimes they don't want to because they don't want to touch on that subject of sex. Um, Vivi, what is the situation like in Finland? Mm, like in Finland, um, like when I got my diagnosis uh, and when I started my first symptoms in 2014, so almost nine years ago, like nobody mentioned anything about like sex and sexuality and relationship, uh, like no one. Um, and then at the point when um, when we were talking about like, do I want to have a baby at some point? Then it was the only thing that they were talking about it. And but it's it is a taboo in Finland. So it is not like you actually you need to talk about it. You need to mention by yourself and then just like try to dig something out of the neurologist, you know, some information or something. Back. Yeah, exactly. I think it's often up to the patient and the duty of the patient to bring it up, which is not fair, especially when you are talking to somebody that is 20. I mean, I remember going to the doctor and the doctor was just talking to me about having babies and I was 19 then. And I looked up to her and I was like, well, this is not my plan right now. And she really, she kept on talking about having babies. Um, and I didn't have the power of the tools or the tools to really stop her from talking to me about having a family. Um, so now I'm turning to Moira asking you if you have any tips for us and how do we bring up these conversations with healthcare practitioners that might not want already, that might not want to hear it or be ready to hear um, a conversation. Now that you're mentioning, yes, I have. But before that, I must say that uh, we have the same problem also in Greece. Uh, sexuality is a taboo thing to discuss with your doctor, but we have the opportunity to choose the right healthcare provider or our, on our own. We, uh, as Nadia said, you have to choose the, the healthcare provider that you can uh, address these issues. Maybe a gynecologist, maybe a urologist. Also a neurologist. We have some neurologists, some new neurologists, young neurologists that know uh, now that they have to address these issues also. Also, a specialist in sexual medicine uh, may be an appropriate person to talk to. And uh, we have to start our own conversation about these things. We can initiate the discussion with the doctor or the nurse or, uh, I don't know, the gynecologist, the sexologist or who uh, we're talking to by saying something like, I'd like to talk about how MS might be affecting my sexual health and what options or recommendations you have. So we initiate the discussion. We, uh, when I was uh, working with my PhD thesis, uh, we made uh, a study here in Greece and uh, we worked with a lot of uh, urologists with the PLICIT model, which is a model of uh, initiating discussions about sexual health with people having a mess. And this is actually helping a lot. And if we are honest and specific with our doctors and uh, plan ahead our um, appointments, write down your questions and all the things you would like to discuss with uh, your doctors. This will help you stay organized during the appointment and make the right questions to your doctors. Be honest, be specific of what you would like to know about your uh, MS and your uh, sexual health. Discuss with your family and ask questions 
And don't hesitate to ask questions about how messes may affect your sexual function. What treatment options are available? What you can do to maintain a satisfying sexual life? Ask not only your doctor, not only your therapist. Discuss your medications. Mention any emotional concerns you may have. Be open to different solutions because sometimes we suggest things to people and people are like, oh, I cannot do that. No, 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 no. Of course not. I don't want to try, but when they try this, and I'm not talking only about sexual things, okay? <laughs> but when we try some different solutions, they don't think about it before we discuss it. Then they are like, oh, I didn't thought about that. It was good. Yes, I'll try it again. And if it is necessary, we can discuss also with the partners. We have a lot of techniques to, to give to people uh, about sexuality, about intimate relationships. Uh, and this is very helpful. I'll focus on being honest and specific next time I, I go into a doctor's uh, room or to a hospital. Write them down. Write them down. <laughs> I'll go It's there on my list. I will be prepared. Uh, one more thing that I would give as a tip um, is to talk to your MS friend. I mean, I often talk to my friends about sex and that has helped me a lot. And that has also helped me have further conversations. So maybe uh, listening to, the to this podcast is your first step in maybe hearing about sex and MS as a topic, but then bring it up with a friend, maybe share the, po share the podcast and just openly talk about it. And then next time you have to talk about it with your doctor, you will feel even more comfortable. Yeah, like um, in my case, like of course, YPN Young People's Network has been like awesome. Like I've been talking a lot about sex and sexuality, of course, <laughs> and yesterday with Nadia too. We're happy to hear. <laughs> This is exactly why we're here. Um, going back on the topic of disclosure, with any of the young people like to share any experiences you've had while disclosing your diagnosis and how we work through that. And if you didn't, we can work through it together. So um, I got my diagnosis, like I started first my symptoms in 2014. I was then um, with, um, I think it was like my first boyfriend, like first serious boyfriend ever. And I got my symptoms and, you know, he was living with me, like at the, by the time when I was getting the symptoms and when I got diagnosis. And it took like, I think I had this, very very bad and serious and almost fatal um worsening of ms um and after that he told me that okay i'm never going to be fine with your ms even though we were trying to discuss about it and later on he was like okay i never said that and then we broke up and we got back together but i shouldn't and then after that um i had the um, the boyfriend i broke i just broke up with um and he was really understandable and we were talking a lot about it and he's studying about to, he was studying about to be a nurse and we were kind of like we were really good together and he was totally fine with it and we were talking about the symptoms and how i feel and like okay if i do this you don't necessarily need to do that or you know we were just really open about my multiple sclerosis and then The communication was really good, but, you know, things happen. And now I'm at the point where I may need to start all over again and find out, like, how the next one reacts to my 
diagnosis. Uh, well, I'm happy that you got a good experiencing experience in disclosing your diagnosis and that you got to experience that. And welcome to singlehood. Um, I also have a question that might also be useful to you. What are some takeaways that you have gotten from those experiences that you will be using in the future? So what, are, what, what did you learn? Like, you know, I think that I've got a lot more confident um, during this, like after my diagnosis, like I have like much more self, I'm at, like self-confidence. And I think that it's rising like more and more and more because I know that uh, I'm worth of something, even though I do have MS because uh, I'm not MS. It's just like a character, a characteristic of mine, you know? And I think that it's, it actually makes me more human in a way. And I have, I've learned a lot um, from getting MS and with these experiences. And I learn a lot uh, all the time. And, you know, you're never ready as yourself. And I'm, you know, getting to more myself more every day oh that was beautiful (laughs) yes getting to know each other better and better every day i mean that's that's the point of life um nadia would you like to share some of your experiences um well i was not diagnosed at late i was diagnosed with 25 i'm 27 now and so um i've broken up a relationship in the meantime not because of MS, <laughs> but because my body told me to. Uh, but I, with friends and family, it was fine. But then on dates and with people and real and relationships, um, I think because I mean I had a ro- relationships with men. Um, I think what men are most interested in: can you have babies? and will you end up in a wheelchair like that's the two biggest fear of a man you're dating is can you give him babies are you a woman enough to have babies and will you end up in a wheelchair i think those are the two the biggest fears of men at least balkan men i'm i'm not speaking for (laughs) the other parts of the world but balkan men are like can you give me babies and um are you going are you going to end up in a wheelchair and those are just uncertainties i think even uh, women without ms cannot answer wheelchair probably part they can but babies i mean uh, mm-hmm. no one knows um but yeah I, it it was good but i had that that response when dating is like are you a strong woman enough and I think uh, me, myself, I'm exploring, am I strong enough? But I think I am. But it's, uh, as Vivi said, it's everyday uh, everyday learning and exploring new things about yourself and learning to love yourself with all of your disabilities. Yeah, just as a quick comment to the, um, like, of course, you can get into car accident and you can end up in a wheelchair even if you don't have ms you know anything can happen yeah true true but for balkan men those are like 
babies and wheelchair. Will you cook for me? Can you give me babies? Like Balkan man, one on one. Do I have to rearrange my kitchen for you so that it uh, provides help when you're in a wheelchair? No, I'm from Romania and I also get that question quite often. I hear it. Will you have babies? Uh, but that's society. Um, so, so far we've talked about how do we disclose our diagnosis to our partners, also with healthcare practitioners. Um, and now we turn to our friends. Do we tell our friends? Do we tell people we just got to know that we have MS? Well, it depends on what type of person you are, I think, definitely. For me, I'm a very open person, so it was an immediate reaction when I saw someone my friend like oh this happened to me and then um i've told it to everyone but i know from my town there's there are people with ms that don't even tell it to their friends and i think it's part of uh your own relationship with ms how do you feel with your ms do you perceive it as something that will block your friendships or something that is a part of you and i received i perceived it as something that is going to stay with me for a long time so i they might as well get used to it because it's there so i told them and i didn't really didn't have any problems i only got acceptance and understanding and now they're making fun of me and we all make fun of it because it's a new thing but it, it's yeah it's important to tell to your friends like they're the biggest support group you can have like definitely so you think that um your life was better after sharing it with your friends yeah yeah of course of course of course i got a ton of tons of support because i immediately like turned to like eating healthy which i don't do anymore but the first six months were like let's do everything we can and so i tried to eat healthy no gluten no dairy and so some of my friends started uh, sending me recipes and they like took photos of all also healthy recipes they were cooking like they were inspired and they want to show support to me like by cooking and preparing meals for themselves and just sharing it with me so it was a bonding moment uh, for us I think nice that's good to hear you have a good group around you Vivi yeah. what are some of your experiences Yeah, like, um, of course, um, as I told, like, um, I'm really open about it, like on my Instagram, and I've been posting about MS. And like, on the World MS Day, I always post and then, you know, people who are my friends, they already kind of know, or if they don't, when they go to see my social media, they will know. So I think that it is kind of that I, I do tell, like, kind of immediately. But like, when I started Uh, five months ago on my new job which is great uh, I met this girl and we were just talking about and we just both shared our diagnosis and we bonded so well like because um, of course I don't want to open up like the diagnosis what she has but like we were like okay let's just rant a bit and let's just let's just talk and we are like more human like like I said before I'm like more human when I share about it because it is um It is something like I'm a bit more, is it like wrong to say I'm like my personality is like a bit deeper or what? what's the correct word for that? Do you know what I mean? So that I'm more... True to self? Unique. True to yourself? More empathetic? Yeah. 
yeah but i'm like because i'm fine with my ms i've um like i was 1920 when i had my first official symptoms and now i'm 29 so it's been a hell of a journey but i'm fine now uh both of you have been diagnosed for quite a while and i'm assuming that you've had conversations that did not go well um and i'm saying this because there will be people listening to us that have just been diagnosed and they might be scared to okay how do i tell my friend sure i will tell my best friend because i know that she 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 loves me and that she will support me but it might not go according to plan so do you have any tips uh based on your experiences that you would like to share with the audience like um just tell them that do not google just that i'm still the the same person that i was before my diagnosis you've known me and i probably had that already before but i just got the name for these symptoms so like you should be there probably, google yeah 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 but if you want to ask something just ask me or something and if i can add if they don't react well and they're like oh i can't hang out with you touch that person you don't yes, need definitely. that person in your life. You need support and people that love you will stay and support you. And if someone reacts badly, oh, you don't need them. I'm very strict about that. <laughs> exactly. A mess is a way of filtering your friends and partners exactly. around you. You only yes. want the, the best. Definitely. Like when I got my diagnosis or after the 2016, when I got that very bad worsening or the relapse, um, after that, I just filtered all the bad things from my life. So it was job, friend, friends, boyfriend, everything, what is like bad in my life so that I shouldn't be like, because I know that stress is bad for MS. We all know that. So I, I wanted to be just, you know, Zen. So there were kind of a couple friends that I'm not in contact with anymore because I like, I, I did more than they did. So they never met me in the halfway in the relationships, even though I had MS. So that's a good life tip right there. Um, and now I would like to turn to our experts in when we are having these conversations, how do we find the best way to reduce stigma and also foster understanding between people? Well, uh, from what I had, uh, from the two participants, I can understand that telling people that we have a mess can be a difficult one. Hmm? We, uh, it's also difficult for us to accept the diagnosis ourselves, uh, not uh, sharing this information, this news uh, with others. Being able to talk about being diagnosed with a mess can take courage, but it can be helpful too. If we don't uh, stigmatize ourselves about uh, having the diagnosis of a mess, can help us uh, react to the others. Because when we are considering talking to others about our MS, we must consider that everyone is different. Everyone we talk to has a different relationship with us and, that can, and uh, they can understand different things about uh, MS. And they may react in different ways to our news. So if we don't want to get stigmatized about our diagnosis, we first want to... Uh, to have a, a relationship with ourselves that give us the courage to talk to others about our situation, about our uh, MS, with a, a perspective of giving some good news, not bad news to others. 
some good news that, okay, we have a mess, but we are still the same person as we were before. And we must emphasize our strengths, not our uh, uh, difficult size, uh, difficult aspects of our uh, relationship with a mess. This is something that we must keep in our mind. When we are talking about our diagnosis, we provide factual information about MS, we explain what MS is, its symptoms, how it affects our personality, but we, we emphasize our strengths, our resilience, our accomplishment, despite the fact that we are having a mess. If we share our interests, our hopes, our achievements to, uh, to show our full identity to the others, then the others won't stay at the diagnosis uh, alone. But we must correct also our, uh, their misconceptions about MS. We have to be prepared to address any misconceptions or stereotypes the persons may have about MS. We gently correct these things and provide accurate information. Uh, I totally agree with Vivi. We try to tell them not to Google MS not to try to find uh, via the internet all the information they need to have about our condition. We emphasize our independence and our self-sufficiency despite having a mess. And we let persons know that while we, we may face our challenges, we are capable of managing them and living and fulfilling life along with a mess. Okay. That's a great... Uh, way to wrap up this episode it's about looking at us nms in a in a good way in a positive way so thank you for that um, now we'll go into the fun part of the episode and that is the rapid q a um, so i'll be shooting some questions at you and whatever pops first in your head you have to say it so let's start with vivi then nadia and then moira does that sound good yeah, yeah. you're for our listeners okay. they are nodding um texting or calling what do you prefer Calling. Calling. Calling, of course. Wow. Am I of a wrong generation? I, if somebody calls my phone, I will never pick up. Um, your go-to song for a mood boost? Yep. Your go-to song to feel happy? Right now, um, I do feel like Katy Berry's Roar. Nice. That's a good one. It is. Uh this is a hard one for me. Okay, there's a song called Paradise from Snowsa that I've been feeling like very into the last few weeks. So, Paradise. I will look that one up. Hmm. That's a very good question. But uh, I cannot think of a song right now, an English song. Uh, <laughs> because no. uh, a lot of Greek songs are coming in my mind. But uh, there's a Greek song that says everything is going to be all right. Ah, it's also, uh, if I'm not mistaken, a Bob Marley song. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. The Greek listeners can look it up in Greek and the others will look the Bob Marley version. Um, what is a fun activity you enjoy doing with your partner that helps strengthen your relationship? Uh -huh. Your previous or future well, partner? Um, traveling and going to Ikea. <gasps> I love going to <laughs> Ikea. <laughs> I think food for me, exploring food and new tastes and I think different, yeah, I, I will say food because it's the thing that I'm hungry now. <laughs> uh, You're asking a sexologist, what is the best thing of doing with uh, his or her partner? 
Don't do that question. Tell <laughs> us. <laughs> Tell <laughs> us. <laughs> but you know, no, I'm just joking. Uh, long talks uh, with a drink in my hand. Yeah. What is the preferred drink? Uh, <laughs> I would prefer not to say because I know that, uh, okay, it's not good to drink alcohol. Okay. So I'll choose uh, a juice. Okay. <laughs> Grape juice. We'll With leave a it at little that. bit of vodka inside. <laughs> um, and this podcast is about connection. So this question was about to pop up. What is your love language? Touch. Definitely touch physical touch but also compliments oh yeah true mm. i love a good compliment those are my love <laughs> languages as well <laughs> we're all libras here so i think that yeah. touch touch also compliments good conversations mm. love yeah. talking yeah Nice. And on to our final question. Um, do you have some resources that would enhance your communication skills? Something you've read, a podcast you've heard, a movie you've seen? Can I just say skip? Because I have nothing on my mind. I listen a lot of audiobooks about like self-help and communication. So probably those, but I cannot pick one. Oh, the how to not... How, not how to, to not... It. Yeah, how not to give off... Yeah. Fuck, yeah. That one, that one, definitely. I agree. I would, to, I would have to say my friend group and my psychologist are my source of like where to find good resources to communicate what I need is communicating with others. And they like, I, I gather all of, of the advice they give me and then I find a golden one that f f suits me. Um, so I would say sharing with others, um, and then I don't do uh, self-help books. Maybe I should, but I do read like a psychologist, Irvin Yalom. That's that helped me a lot. Like uh, um, a book that is called uh, "Curing with Schopenhauer." It's a bit depressing, but it's a very nice book about group therapy which gave me the um, idea to organize a group therapy in my hometown. So yeah, definitely, if I had to choose a writer. Maria, do you have a tip? Uh, I just remember a book that I have read uh, a long time ago. It's about uh, someone who has a mess. Uh, the title is, uh, It's Not All in Your Head. <laughs> okay, it was very good and uh, I have proposed it to a lot of uh, my patients and they find it uh, very useful. From my side, uh, okay, I don't need uh, a book, I have it all in my mind, but mm -hmm. uh, okay, <laughs> I'm just a psychologist <laughs> who can uh, cope with that. Uh, I don't know, I don't know. What to answer to that question? Oh, you already answered. Can I add to my own answer a bit after Nadia's answer? Like, you know, um, the peer support of others and especially like uh, just a shout out to Young People's Network. It's been great. <laughs> 
Thank you, Vivi, for the shout out. And thank you, Nadia. Um, this is exactly what we want. We're trying to do with, with the podcast. We're trying to give you a bunch of um, tips and tricks advice and we hope that you find one that suits you best or that you make you take one of our tips and make it suit your lifestyle that wraps up the episode of let's talk a mess we want to thank you we want to thank you for listening to us and i want to thank our guests for being with us and a part of this conversation stay tuned for more engaging conversation through our instagram and twitter accounts at eu ms youth until next time